Chapter 5 And now it came to pass that after King Mosiah had had continual peace for the space of three years, he was desirous to know concerning the people which went up to dwell in the land of Lehi-Nephi, or in the city of Lehi-Nephi. For his people had heard nothing from them from the time they left the land of Zarahemla, therefore they wearied him with their teasings. And it came to pass that King Mosiah granted that sixteen of their strong men might go up to the land of Lehi-Nephi to inquire concerning their brethren. And it came to pass that on the morrow they started to go up, having with them one Ammon, he being a strong and mighty man, and a descendant of Zarahemla, and he was also their leader. And now they knew not the course they should travel in the wilderness to go up to the land of Lehi-Nephi. Therefore they wandered many days in the wilderness, even forty days did they wander. And when they had wandered forty days, they came to a hill which is north of the land of Shilom, and there they pitched their tents. And Ammon took three of his brethren, and their names were Amalekai, Helam, and Hem. And they went down into the land of Nephi. And behold, they met the king of the people, which was in the land of Nephi, and in the land of Shilom. And they were surrounded by the king's guard, and were taken, and were bound, and were committed to prison. And it came to pass, when they had been in prison two days, they were again brought before the king, and their bands were loosed. And they stood before the king, and were permitted, or rather commanded, that they should answer the questions which he should ask them. And he saith unto them, Behold, I am Limhi, the son of Noah, which was the son of Zenith, which came up out of the land of Zarahemla to inherit this land, which was the land of their fathers, which was made a king by the voice of the people. And now I desire to know the cause whereby ye were so bold as to come near the walls of the city, when I myself was with my guards without the gate. And now for this cause have I suffered that ye should be preserved, that I might inquire of you or else I should have caused that my guards should have put you to death. Ye are permitted to speak. And now when Ammon saw that he was permitted to speak, he went forth and bowed himself before the king, and rising again he said, O king, I am very thankful before God this day that I am yet alive and am permitted to speak. And I will endeavor to speak with boldness, for I am assured that if ye had known me, ye would not have suffered that I should have worn these bands. For I am Ammon, and am a descendant of Zarahemla, and have come up out of the land of Zarahemla, to inquire concerning our brethren, which Zenith brought up out of that land. And now it came to pass that after Limhi had heard the words of Ammon, he was exceeding glad, and said, Now I know of a surety that my brethren which were in the land of Zarahemla are yet alive. And now I will rejoice, and on the morrow I will cause that my people shall rejoice also. For behold, we are in bondage to the Lamanites, and are taxed with a tax which is grievous to be borne. And now, behold, our brethren will deliver us out of our bondage, or out of the hands of the Lamanites, and we will be their slaves. For it is better that we be slaves to the Nephites than to pay tribute to the king of the Lamanites." And now King Limhi commanded his guards that they should no more bind Ammon, nor his brethren, but caused that they should go to the hill which was north of Shilom, and bring their brethren into the city, that thereby they might eat and drink and rest themselves from the labors of their journey. For they had suffered many things, they had suffered hunger, thirst, and fatigue. And now it came to pass on the morrow that King Limhi sent a proclamation among all his people, that thereby they might gather themselves together to the temple, to hear the words which he should speak unto them. 
And it came to pass that when they had gathered themselves together, that he spake unto them in this wise, saying, O ye my people, lift up your heads and be comforted, for behold, the time is at hand, or is not far distant, when we shall no longer be in subjection to our enemies, notwithstanding our many strugglings which have been in vain, yet I trust there remaineth an effectual struggle to be made. Therefore lift up your heads, and rejoice, and put your trust in God, in that God who is the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and also that God who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, and caused that they should walk through the Red Sea on dry ground, and fed them with manna, that they might not perish in the wilderness, and many more things did he do for them. And again, that same God hath brought our fathers out of the land of Jerusalem, and hath kept and preserved his people even until now. And behold, it is because of our iniquities and abominations that has brought us into bondage. And ye all are witnesses this day, that Zenith, who was made king over this people, he being overzealous to inherit the land of his fathers, therefore being deceived by the cunning and craftiness of King Laman, who having entered into a treaty with King Zenith, and having yielded up into his hands the possessions of a part of the land, or even the city of Lehi-Nephi, and the city of Shalom, and the land round about, and all this he did for the sole purpose of bringing this people into subjection or into bondage. And behold, we at this time do pay tribute to the king of the Lamanites to the amount of one half of our corn and our barley and even all our grain of every kind and one half of the increase of our flocks and our herds and even one half of all we have or possess. The king of the Lamanites doth exact of us or our lives. And now is not this grievous to be borne? And is not this our affliction great? Now behold, how great reason have we to mourn. Yea, I say unto you, great are the reasons which we have to mourn. For behold, how many of our brethren have been slain, and their blood hath been spilt in vain, and all because of iniquity. For if this people had not fallen into transgressions, the Lord would not have suffered that this great evil should come upon them. But behold, they would not hearken unto his words, but there arose contentions among them, even so much that they did shed blood among themselves. And a prophet of the Lord have they slain, yea, a chosen man of God, who told them of their wickedness and abominations, and prophesied of many things which are to come, yea, even the coming of Christ. And because he saith unto them that Christ was the God, the Father of all things, and saith that he should take upon him the image of man, and it should be the image after which man was created in the beginning, or in other words, he said that man was created after the image of God, and that God should come down among the children of men, and take upon him flesh and blood, and go forth upon the face of the earth. And now because he said this, they did put him to death, and many more things did they do, which brought down the wrath of God upon them. Therefore, who wondereth that they are in bondage, and that they are smitten with sore afflictions? For behold, the Lord hath said, I will not succor my people in the day of their transgression, but I will hedge up their ways, that they prosper not, and their doings shall be as a stumbling block before them. And again he saith, If my people shall sow filthiness, they shall reap the chaff thereof in the whirlwind, and the effects thereof is poison. And again he saith, If my people shall sow filthiness, they shall reap the east wind, which bringeth immediate destruction. 
And now, behold, the promise of the Lord is fulfilled, and ye are smitten and afflicted. But if ye will turn to the Lord with full purpose of heart, and put your trust in him, and serve him with all diligence of mind, and if ye do this, he will, according to his own will and pleasure, deliver you out of bondage. And it came to pass that after King Limhi had made an end of speaking to his people, for he spake many things unto them, and only a few of them have I written in this book, he told his people all the things concerning their brethren which were in the land of Zarahemla. And he caused that Ammon should stand up before the multitude, and rehearse unto them all that had happened unto their brethren, from the time that Zenith went up out of the land, even until the time that he himself came up out of the land. And he also rehearsed unto them the last words which King Benjamin had taught them, and explained them to the people of King Limhi, so that they might understand all the words which he spake. And it came to pass that after he had done all this, that King Limhi dismissed the multitude, and caused that they should return every one unto his own house. And it came to pass that he caused that the plates which contained the record of his people from the time that they left the land of Zarahemla should be brought before Ammon, that he might read them. Now as soon as Ammon had read the record, the king inquired of him to know if he could interpret languages, and Ammon told him that he could not. And the king said unto him, I, being grieved for the afflictions of my people, I caused that forty and three of my people should take a journey into the wilderness, that thereby they might find the land of Zarahemla, that we might appeal unto our brethren to deliver us out of bondage. And they were lost in the wilderness for the space of many days, yet they were diligent, and found not the land of Zarahemla, but returned to this land, having traveled in a land among many waters." having discovered a land which was covered with bones of men and of beasts, etc., and was also covered with ruins of buildings of every kind, having discovered a land which had been peopled with the people which were as numerous as the hosts of Israel. And for a testimony that the things that they have said are true, they have brought twenty-four plates, which are filled with engravings, and they are of pure gold." And behold, also, they have brought breastplates which are large, and they are of brass and of copper, and are perfectly sound. And again they have brought swords, the hilts thereof hath perished, and the blades thereof were cankered with rust. And there is no one in the land that is able to interpret the language or the engravings that are on the plates. Therefore I said unto thee, Canst thou translate? And I say unto thee again, Knowest thou of any one that can translate? For I am desirous that these records should be translated into our language. For perhaps they will give us a knowledge of a remnant of the people which have been destroyed from whence these records came. Or perhaps they will give us a knowledge of this very people which hath been destroyed. And I am desirous to know the cause of their destruction. Now Ammon saith unto him, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, of a man that can translate the records, for he hath wherewith that he can look and translate all records that are of ancient date, and it is a gift from God. And the things are called interpreters, and no man can look in them except he be commanded, lest he should look for that he had not ought, and he should perish. And whosoever is commanded to look in them, the same is called seer. And behold, the king of the people which is in the land of Zarahemla is the man that is commanded to do these things, and which hath this high gift from God. And the king saith that a seer is greater than a prophet. 
And Ammon saith that a seer is a revelator, and a prophet also, and a gift which is greater can no man have, except he should possess the power of God, which no man can. Yet a man may have great power given him from God. But a seer can know of things which have passed, and also of things which are to come. And by them shall all things be revealed, or rather shall secret things be made manifest, and hidden things shall come to light, and things which are not known shall be made known by them. And also things shall be made known by them which otherwise could not be known. Thus God hath provided a means that man, through faith, might work mighty miracles, therefore he becometh a great benefit to his fellow beings. And now when Ammon had made an end of speaking these words, the king rejoiced exceedingly, and gave thanks to God, saying, Doubtless a great mystery is contained within these plates, and these interpreters were doubtless prepared for the purpose of unfolding all such mysteries to the children of men. Oh, how marvelous are the works of the Lord, and how long doth he suffer with his people! Yea, and how blind and impenetrable are the understandings of the children of men, for they will not seek wisdom, neither do they desire that she should rule over them. Yea, they are as a wild flock which fleeth from the shepherd, and scattereth, and are driven, and are devoured by the beasts of the forest. Chapter 6 The Record of Zenith an account of his people from the time they left the land of Zarahemla until the time that they were delivered out of the hands of the Lamanites, comprising chapters 6 through 10. I, Zenith, having been taught in all the language of the Nephites, and having had a knowledge of the land of Nephi, or of the land of our father's first inheritance, and I, having been sent as a spy among the Lamanites, that I might spy out their forces, that our army might come upon them and destroy them. But when I saw that which was good among them, I was desirous that they should not be destroyed. Therefore I contended with my brethren in the wilderness, for I would that our rulers should make a treaty with them. But he, being an austere and a bloodthirsty man, commanded that I should be slain, but I was rescued by the shedding of much blood. For father fought against father, and brother against brother, until the greatest number of our army was destroyed in the wilderness. And we returned, those of us that were spared, to the land of Zarahemla, to relate the tale to their wives and their children. And yet, I, being overzealous to inherit the land of our fathers, collected as many as were desirous to go up to possess the land, and started again on our journey into the wilderness, to go up to the land. But we were smitten with famine, and sore afflictions, for we were slow to remember the Lord our God. Nevertheless, after many days wandering in the wilderness, we pitched our tents in the place where our brethren were slain, which was near to the land of our fathers. And it came to pass that I went again with four of my men into the city, in unto the king, that I might know of the disposition of the king, and that I might know if I might go in with my people, and possess the land in peace. And I went in unto the king, and he covenanted with me that I might possess the land of Lehi-Nephi, and the land of Shillam. And he also commanded that his people should depart out of that land, and I and my people went into the land that we might possess it. And we began to build buildings, and to repair the walls of the city, yea, even the walls of the city of Lehi-Nephi, and the city of Shillam. 
and we began to till the ground, yea, even with all manner of seeds, with seeds of corn, and of wheat, and of barley, and with knees, and with sheum, and with seeds of all manner of fruits, and we did begin to multiply and prosper in the land. Now it was the cunning and the craftiness of King Laman to bring my people into bondage, that he yielded up the land, that we might possess it. Therefore it came to pass that after we had dwelt in the land for the space of twelve years, that King Laman began to grow uneasy, lest by any means my people should wax strong in the land, and that they could not overpower them and bring them into bondage. Now they were a lazy and an idolatrous people, therefore they were desirous to bring us into bondage, that they might glut themselves with the labors of our hands, yea, that they might feast themselves upon the flocks of our fields. Therefore it came to pass that King Laman began to stir up his people, that they should contend with my people. Therefore there began to be wars and contentions in the land. For in the thirteenth year of my reign in the land of Nephi, away on the south of the land of Shillem, when my people were watering and feeding their flocks and tilling their lands, a numerous host of Lamanites came upon them and began to slay them and to take of their flocks and the corn of their fields. Yea, and it came to pass that they fled, all that were not overtaken, even into the city of Nephi, and did call upon me for protection. And it came to pass that I did arm them with bows, and with arrows, with swords and with scimitars, and with clubs and with slings, and with all manner of weapons which we could invent, and I and my people did go forth against the Lamanites to battle. Yea, in the strength of the Lord did we go forth to battle against the Lamanites." For I and my people did cry mightily to the Lord that he would deliver us out of the hands of our enemies, for we were awakened to a remembrance of the deliverance of our fathers. And God did hear our cries and did answer our prayers, and we did go forth in his might. Yea, we did go forth against the Lamanites, and in one day and a night we did slay three thousand and forty-three. We did slay them even until we had driven them out of our land." and I myself with mine own hands did help bury their dead. And behold, to our great sorrow and lamentation, two hundred and seventy-nine of our brethren were slain. And it came to pass that we again began to establish the kingdom, and we again began to possess the land in peace. And I caused that there should be weapons of war made of every kind, that thereby I might have weapons for my people against the time the Lamanites should come up again to war against my people. And I set guards round about the land, that the Lamanites might not come upon us again unawares and destroy us. And thus I did guard my people and my flocks, and keep them from falling into the hands of our enemies. And it came to pass that we did inherit the land of our fathers for many years, yea, for the space of twenty and two years. And I did cause that the men should till the ground, and raise all manner of grain, and all manner of fruit of every kind. And I did cause that the women should spin, and toil, and work, and work all manner of fine linen, yea, and cloth of every kind, that we might clothe our nakedness. And thus we did prosper in the land, thus we did have continual peace in the land, for the space of twenty and two years. And it came to pass that King Laman died, and his son began to reign in his stead. And he began to stir his people up in rebellion against my people. Therefore they began to prepare for war, and to come up to battle against my people. 
But I, having sent my spies out round about the land of Shemlon, that I might discover their preparation, that I might guard against them, that they might not come upon my people and destroy them. And it came to pass that they came up upon the north of the land of Shilom with their numerous hosts, men armed with bows and with arrows and with swords and with scimitars and with stones and with slings. And they had their heads shaved, that they were naked, and they were girded about with a leathern girdle about their loins. And it came to pass that I caused that the women and children of my people should be hid in the wilderness. And I also caused that all my old men that could bear arms, and also all my young men that were able to bear arms, should gather themselves together to go to battle against the Lamanites. And I did place them in their ranks, every man according to his age. And it came to pass that we did go up to battle against the Lamanites. And I, even I in my old age, did go up to battle against the Lamanites. And it came to pass that we did go up in the strength of the Lord to battle. Now the Lamanites knew nothing concerning the Lord, nor the strength of the Lord. Therefore they depended upon their own strength. Yet they were a strong people as to the strength of men. They were a wild and a ferocious and a bloodthirsty people, believing in the tradition of their fathers, which is this believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers, and that they were wronged in the wilderness by their brethren, and they were also wronged while crossing the sea, and again that they were wronged while in the land of their first inheritance, after they had crossed the sea, and all this because that Nephi was more faithful in keeping the commandments of the Lord, therefore he was favored of the Lord, for the Lord heard his prayers and answered them, and he took the lead of their journey in the wilderness. And his brethren were wroth with him, because they understood not the dealings of the Lord. They were also wroth with him upon the waters, because they hardened their hearts against the Lord. And again they were wroth with him when they had arrived to the promised land, because they said that he had taken the ruling of the people out of their hands, and they sought to kill him. And again they were wroth with him, because he departed into the wilderness as the Lord had commanded him, and took the records which were engraven on the plates of brass, for they said that he robbed them. And thus they have taught their children, that they should hate them, and that they should murder them, and that they should rob and plunder them, and do all they could to destroy them. Therefore they have an eternal hatred towards the children of Nephi." For this very cause hath King Laman, by his cunning and lying craftiness, and his fair promises, deceived me, that I have brought this, my people, up into this land, that they may destroy them. Yea, and we have suffered this many years in the land. And now I, Zenith, after having told all these things unto my people concerning the Lamanites, I did stimulate them to go to battle with their might, putting their trust in the Lord, therefore we did contend with them face to face. And it came to pass that we did drive them again out of our land, and we slew them with a great slaughter, even so many that we did not number them. And it came to pass that we returned again to our own land, and my people again began to tend their flocks and to till their ground. And now, I being old, did confer the kingdom upon one of my sons, therefore I say no more. And may the Lord bless my people. Amen. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy.
Okay, we're at Mosiah chapter 5 and 6. We're, this is the part of the, the Book of Mormon, and I love Book of Mosiah because it's just jumping around all over the place. And I told you earlier that if Star War, if the Book of Mormon was Star Wars, the, the first set of the books would be like uh, uh, George Lucas's version, you know, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. And then you get this J.J. Abrams type movie for the Book of Mosiah, and we're bouncing around all over the place. And so we're going to see it a little bit now where it's just action, action, action. In chapter 5, we read about King Limhi, and Ammon goes down to see, see him. So let's just start with some verses, and I'm going to make some references here. Um, in verse 1 and verse 3 and 4 and 5, there's references here. It says, Lehi Nephi, Nephi in the city of Lehi Nephi. And then it says, they went up to the land of Lehi Nephi to inquire concerning their brethren. And it came to pass on the morrow, verse 4, they started um, having with them one Ammon, he being a strong and mighty man and a descendant of Zarahemla, and he was also their leader. So I like that it shows we're going from Lehi to the land of Lehi-Nephi. And there's a dis there's an interesting distinction here. It says they went up to the land of Lehi-Nephi, and then they uh, in verse 5, they go up to the land of Lehi-Nephi. So with that in mind, I'm going to turn to the book of Helaman, Verses two, chapter two, verse one twenty nine. It says, "Now the land south was called Lehi, and the land north was called Mulek, which was after the son of Zedekiah. For the Lord did bring Mulek into the land north, and Lehi into the land south." So we have this conjoining of peoples, the Nephites and the Mulekites, and we we don't really know too much about them yet, but their history. But we know that the Nephites. Were, were directed by God to head north, which is down, up is south. And it's not that they don't know their directions. They're going topographically. They're going down the mountains to the north, and they're going up the mountains to the south. And what I think is interesting is here they keep calling it the land of Nephi, the land of Nephi. And back in Omni, they call it the land of Nephi. Well, much later in time, in history, they call it something else. They call it Lehi-Nephi. And we're going to see that in a little bit. I'm, I want to I want to point out in verse 8. Behold, they met the king of the people who was in the land of Nephi. So they there's a distinction now between, I don't know, there's, there's just a way they call it. Sometimes it's Lehi-Nephi, like a city and the area around a city, like the, the area of Bethlehem isn't necessarily just Bethlehem. It's the area of round Bethlehem. And, and there's more references like that, the land of Jerusalem and, and the Jewish people do this. They, they distinguish a location by the city it's in and the places around it, the suburbs of it are also associated with that. So there, I assume there's a city called Lehi Nephi there, but the whole area was either called Lehi or Mulek at, at later times, they kind of distinguished it that way. Like I just said in Helaman, but they, at the before they knew about this in Omni, they didn't call it the land of Lehi. They called it the land of Nephi. And so you had this, this uh, two groups of people that come together and they're Mulekites and they're called uh, the land of Zarahemla. And so this, these people lived in Zarahemla and the, the reason why they, why they called it that and not the land of Mulekites is because he was the king at the time they met him. 
And so, well, this is my supposition. So the, it was known by that king at that time who took his kingdom and joined it with uh, Mosiah, who was the descendants of Nephi. And there's a there's a good verse that shows, and we're going to talk about this later, how they joined the people together. And and I'm getting ahead of myself, but but we're, we're going to keep reading. Um, we read, so that's through verses 8. Let's look at verses 12. Behold, I am Limhi, the son of Noah, who was the son of Zenith, who came up out of the land of Zarahemla to inherit this land. So he's saying he's third generation from the time that someone left Zarahemla. And in verse 17, for I am Ammon and I am a descendant of Zarahemla and have come up out of the land of Zarahemla. He says he came up out of the land of Zarahemla, like Zarahemla is down low. And I, to inquire concerning our brethren whom Zenith brought up out of that land. So we have two different people referencing Zenith. Uh, and then what does he say? Zenith, Noah, and Limhi. And so I want you to remember the generations there. Zenith was the grandfather who left originally that Ammon knew the people knew of, uh, of this man, Zenith, who led the people out of Zarahemla. And then he had a son that the people of Zarahemla didn't know about. His name is Noah. And then he had a son the people don't know about whose name was Limhi. And what really makes this interesting is now I want to turn back to the book of Omni. And let's just do a little bit of review in the book of Omni. We're going to start with verse 19. Behold, I will speak unto you somewhat concerning Mosiah, who was made king over the land of Zarahemla. And so we're talking in, in Omni how this he's he's summarizing. This is a Malachi talking and he's summarizing all the uh, what, what happened in history. Uh, for behold, he being warned of the Lord that he should flee out of the land of Nephi. That's what they called it. As many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord should also depart out of the land with him into the wilderness. And it came to pass that he did according to the Lord had commanded him. They departed out of the land into the wilderness as many as would hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And they were led by many preachings and prophesyings. And they were admonished continually by the word of God. And they were led by the power of his arm through the wilderness until they came down into the land, which is called the land of Zarahemla. So again, they're heading north and they're going down into the land of Zarahemla. And they discovered a people who are called the people of Zarahemla. And verse 25, now there was a great rejoicing among the people of Zarahemla and also Zarahemla did rejoice exceedingly. So you have this king, Zarahemla who is the king of the people at that time, uh, because the Lord had sent the people of Mosiah with the plates of brass, which contained the record of the Jews. So if you had a, a, a whiteboard in front of you or on a piece of paper, I have Mosiah and uh, Zarahemla at a kind of at equivalent age. And I, I would call this the age of Kings or the era of Kings or boy, what does it say when they, I think in chapter nine, it actually gives it a name. I should have been prepared more for this. Oh, it's, it's really neat that he calls it like the era of Kings came to an end and because they instituted judges. Okay. In verse, uh, I just looked, went right to it. So the last verse before the book of Alma starts is Mosiah chapter 13 verses 68. And thus ended the reign of the Kings over the people of Nephi. And thus ended the days of Alma, who was the founder of their church. So they have this reign of Kings. And so, and that's just what, what popped in my head is, is this, how this whole era is defined is by these Kings. And so you have King Mosiah, 
and this is King Mosiah the first. And this is King uh, Zarahemla, and they both met. And then the son of Mosiah was Benjamin. And then the son of Benjamin was Mosiah the second. But let's keep keep going. Uh, I want to point out something here. So Mosiah the first is the one who met Zarahemla. He was the one that migrated out of, you know, he was the first one to meet them. He came out of the land of Nephi. And then let's go to verse uh, verse 26. We've already covered this, but it's very interesting. that uh, Behold, it came to pass that Mosiah discovered that the people of Zarahemla came out from Jerusalem at the time that Zedekiah, king of Judah, was carried away captive into Babylon. Um, so another one I like, let's turn to verse 35 in Omni. Um, and I want to point out, let's start with 34. This is, and it came to pass that the people of Zarahemla and of Mosiah did unite together and Mosiah was appointed to be their king. So now it's just one kingdom of people. The Zarahemla, uh, uh, you know, he gave his, his throne over to Mosiah and he was the one, one king now. And it came to pass in the days of Mosiah, there was a large stone brought unto him with engravings on it. And he did interpret the engravings of the gift by the gift and power of God. And they gave an account of one Coriantumr, the slain of his people. We're going to get more on that later. But what this is telling me is that Mosiah the first, the 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 high the first king that came from the Nephites and and met with the Zarahemla people of Zarahemla, he is the one that translated with the interpreters the story of the Jaredites and the Coriantumr and their people. It was it was Mosiah the first. And we're going to keep going. Coriantumr was discovered by the people of Zarahemla, and he dwelt with them for the space of nine moons. It also spake a few words concerning their fathers and his first parents who came out of the tower at the time the Lord confounded the language of the people, and the severity of the Lord fell upon them according to his judgments, which are just, and their bones lay scattered in the land northward. So this is farther north uh, than where Zarahemla is. And they had already discovered them, the people of Zarahemla have, but not the people of Mosiah. They didn't go that far north. They they bumped into the land of Zarahemla. Now we have, behold, I, Amalekai, was born in the days of Mosiah the, the first, and I have lived to see his death, and Benjamin his son reigned in his stead. So this Amalekai, who is at, at this t- same era of the king of, of say, um, he was kind of the transition from Mosiah the first into Benjamin and from the Zarahemla king into the no king anymore. And Mosiah was the king. So he, he saw this and witnessed this transition. Um, let's go back to where do we leave off? Chapter five. Now let's go to. 33 in Mosiah chapter five. This is the next verse I have highlighted. So, so we have this background and we're going to come back to Omni. So Omni is, is the, the, the map for seeing the, the prequel to what's going to happen in Mosiah. Verse 33, therefore being deceived by the cunning and craftiness of King Laman, who having entered into a treaty with King Zenith and having yielded up his hands, the possessions of a part of the land, or even the city of Lehi Nephi, in the city of, of Shilom, Shilom, I don't know how to pronounce it, and the land roundabout. I just kind of faked it when I was reading earlier. I have no idea what the correct way to say that is. 
So Limhi speaks about his grandpa, and he he knows the story of how he was tricked by King Laman, and he gives us clues as to where they were located, and it was Lehi Nephi. And the other verse I want to go to is verse 43, and he's still relaying the story of his people. And a prophet of the Lord have they slain. And that prophet, we don't hear about him yet. We don't. He doesn't have a name, but he is talked about and he comes into the story in chapter 7 verse 28 his name is Abinadi so Limhi is testifying to the history of his people he's encapsulating from Zenith down to his time and he's telling Ammon the story of his people and it's interesting that it's 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 a, it's I like how this happens so in verse 44 and 45 Abinadi is telling the story of how he, and, and now this is in the time of uh, the son of Zenith. So this would have been uh, when King Benjamin, right? King Benjamin was the son of the Mosiah the first, as, as uh, uh, Amalekai has said. And now this is Abinadi who came and was speaking to Noah, the son of Zenith. So at the same time frame that King Benjamin was giving his proclamation and his speech and people were, uh, becoming uh, uh, and, uh, willing to, and when we're just on fire with the spirit of God to join a church and make a covenant, this is happening at the same time. And Abedadai shows up and he says, and because uh, he said unto them that Christ was the God, the father of all things, and said that he should take upon him the image of man, and it should be the image after which man was created in the beginning. Or in other words, he said that man was created after the image of God, and that God should come down among the children of men and take upon him flesh and blood and go forth upon the face of the earth. King Benjamin said, I'm going to give you a name. And Abinadi, at the same time period with a different people, was uh, testified to them and gave them the same name of Christ. So the spirit was moving at the same time with two different people who were isolated from each other. Verse 48, For behold, the Lord has said, I will not succor my people in the day of their transgression, but I will hedge up their ways that they prosper not, and their doings shall be as a stumbling block before them. I kind of like that bumper sticker. It's kind of a long bumper sticker, but it shows that he doesn't look kindly on our mistakes and, and our transgressions there's a there's a consequence as much as there's a blessing for serving god he's not going to 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 succor my people in the day of their transgression it's not just that he's going to um not bless them or succor them as it phrase here but give them positive uh, reinforcement he's going to hedge up their their prosperous their prosper their prospering is going to go away right they will not prosper and so he he does the opposite and it we know this, that he does this to, to chastise his people because he corrects them and brings us humble, to, brings us back to in humility before him. And this is just uh, uh, the, I have it highlighted in a different color. It has less to do with the, you know, action and events of what's going on, but it's just a lesson right here in verse 48. Uh, and then also in 49, if my people shall sow filthiness, they shall reap the chaff thereof and it is poison. I only so I highlighted just different parts of it, and then in verse fifty-two, it says a lot of qualifications 
around it, but I only, I only chose these few lines to underline, but if you will turn to the Lord, he will deliver you out of bondage. There's other qualifications to that, you know, if with full purpose of heart and according to his own will and pleasure. But I, I like to pick out just the statement. If you will turn to the Lord, he will deliver you out of bondage is the, is the truth of verse 52. And then on verse 64, and for a testimony that the things that they have said are true, they have brought 24 plates, which are filled with engravings and they are of pure gold. So one group came uh, with the, the people of Zarahemla. They had discovered this land of bones and Coriantumr came to live with them and they had this record. But separate from that, at the, this people of uh, Limhi, when they were trying to find Zarahemla again, they traveled north and they found 24 plates on their own and brought it back with them. And so we have another, these 43 men and 24 plates that came back and they came back just before Ammon showed up. And King Limhi doesn't know what to do with this. Um, let's go to verse 72. For he has wherewith that he can look and translate all records that are of ancient date. And it is a gift from God. Ammon is saying there is somebody who can translate this and it's a gift. And we get this description from verse 72 down to 81 of what a seer is and what his role is and what Mosiah was able to do. This is Mosiah the first before King Benjamin. This is, and, and he had these uh, plates, plates uh, that he interpreted. I guess it's, he said it was a stone, but he had, um, uh, I don't know. Now I'm starting to get confused. In some places I, I begin to think he was translating plates, but it also says that they brought him a stone and so he was able to uh, interpret using these interpreters. And everybody calls it the Urim and Thummim in modern day, because that's what they were in, um, were called in Jerusalem. And so it's, I think it's a fallacy to call it that. Uh, these were, these were something different. These were separate from what was in Jerusalem and the Urim and Thummim. And I can show you that and this is and i think is very important that we understand this because in if you turn to ether and absolutely write this on your in your book of mormon somewhere ether chapter 1 verse 88 and 93 it tells us plain as day where these stones came from and if you if you go along with the the common thought that these are the urim and thummim from jerusalem i think you're mistaken and, and it's called that quite often. I'm flipping through pages trying to find it real fast. So, Book of Ether, chapter 88. So chapter 1, verse 88. And this telling the story of the brother of Jared as he touched the stones. And he was he was commanded by God. And then he saw the finger of the Lord. And then he was told whole, just all kinds of amazing things. And then he was told to seal them up. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a little bit before. I'm going to start with verse 86. And it came to pass that the Lord said unto the brother of Jared, Behold, thou shalt not suffer these things which ye have seen and heard to go forth unto the world until the time cometh that I shall glorify my name in the flesh. Wherefore ye shall treasure up the things which ye have seen and heard and show it to no man. And behold, when ye shall come unto me, ye shall write them and shall seal them up that no one can interpret them for ye shall write them in a language that they cannot be read. And behold, these two stones, which will I give unto thee. 
and ye shall seal them up also with the things which ye shall write. Um, and so it says more, and I'm going to jump to verse 93. And it came to pass that the Lord commanded him that he should seal up the two stones which he had received and showed them and show them not until the Lord should show them unto the children of men. Those are the two stones that if they were with ether, they came across in the boats because right now they're, that was in China, right? In my theory, in my understanding, they, they came with ether from somewhere. Uh, in my understanding, they, they traveled through over the Pacific Ocean. Um, but it doesn't matter where. They were given to them. These two stones were given to those people before they traversed the ocean. We know that much. And, and this is predating. This is from the Tower of Babel. This is not uh, the same era, the same time frame as the Urim and Thummim. So that is how Mosiah came across these interpreters. They're not the same thing. They're different, and they came from, from a plan that God had from the very beginning. And Limhi was the one to recognize this. And in verse 83, doubtless a great mystery is contained within these plates, and these interpreters were doubtless prepared for the purpose of unfolding all such mysteries to the children of men. And indeed they were, because Christ had this message waiting to be translated, and he told them to seal it up until he's ready and that his time has come. And that's what I have for chapter six or chapter five. And we're going to jump into chapter six now. And the first thing we read about is the heading. What Mormon is saying the abridgment of this chapter is, and I highlighted that part, the record of Zenith, an account of his people from the time they left the land of Zarahemla until the time that they were delivered out of the hands of the Lamanites. And here we have it from Zenith's point of view, how he spoke of this land, because before it was called the land of Lehi Nephi. But when Zenith wants to talk about this land, he calls it the land of Nephi or the land of our father's first inheritance. So the older you get or the more separated, uh, the more time goes by. I think the, the land, the era, the area was, was referred to differently. It was always the land of Nephi for the older folks. And as the younger folks come along, they started calling it the land of Lehi Nephi. Verse five in chapter six, and we returned those of us that were spared to the land of Zarahemla to relate the tale to their wives and their children. If so, this is verifying and the, the story in Omni verse 40. So let's go back to Omni. And now we're going to turn to verses 48 through 54. And it says 48. Yeah. And now I would speak somewhat concerning a certain number who went up into the wilderness to return to the land of Nephi there for there was a large number who were desirous to possess the land of their inheritance. Wherefore they went up into the wilderness and their leader being a strong and a mighty man and a stiff necked man. Wherefore he caused a contention among them and they were all slain, save 50 in the wilderness. And they returned again to the land of Zarahemla. And it came to pass that they took uh, that they also took others to a considerable number and took their journey again into the wilderness. And I, Amalekai, had a brother who also went with them, and I have not since known concerning them. And I am about to lie down in my grave, and these plates are full, and I make an end of my speaking. So the last thing he sh tells us is that there was this group of people who left. We don't know his name, but he, they left, 
and they had um, s- struggles or trials and, and they, a lot of people died and they came back all, uh, all of them died except for 50 and they came back and then they got a bigger group. Well, the beginning of this story in Zenith is, well, we returned those of us that were spared and then we came back to the land of Zarahemla to retell the tale to our wives. And that in verse six, he goes back out again. And this is what this era, this time frame is when Amalekai is dying. So we're, we're thinking this has to be around, uh, uh, it's hard to place it end of Mosiah one beginning of Benjamin, maybe into Benjamin's reign a little bit because Amalekai saw and witnessed that. And Zenith, I'm kind of putting up in that Mosiah, maybe a little bit earlier of King Benjamin era. So I have Zenith as a King of a people who left. And then his son was Noah. And then his son was Limhi and Zenith. I'm putting on the same time frame as Mosiah the first. And King Benjamin near that beginning of that era. And in verse 12, there's these weird uh, plants, knees and shiim. They label all these other things I know of, you know, uh, seeds of corn and wheat and barley and then knees and shiim. So I'm I'm curious what that would uh, taste like. Uh, so that has no bearing at all on, on what we're studying, but they had uh, names for, for fruit or grain that we, we don't know about. Maybe we do know about it, but we just don't know what they called it. In verse 23, we see that he inspired his men to fight and they cried mightily to the Lord and they had just a huge victory and verse 23 says they slayed 3,043 of the Lamanites and in return they only lost 279 of their own brethren, which is very one-sided, right? But, but at the same time, if, I, if they lost 279, it's not to say it's not a, you know, if, if that was your father or brother, or it's, that's a huge loss. But what the overall on the day, it was a great victory over the Lamanites. And so at this point, it's, it's showing that they had the blessings of God. What did we read earlier in the last chapter? I will hedge up their, their, um, their, uh, progress. No, no, their, their prop, uh, I'm already messing up. They're prosper. They won't prosper. I will sucker my, I will not sucker my people in the day of their transgression, but I will hedge up their ways that they prosper not. And their doings shall be as a stumbling block before them. Well, that is not what's happening with Zenith. He was he was a decent guy. He was bringing his people into uh, uh, humility before God, before their battles. And he led them well, and they had successes. And I like, I'm going to turn the page. I'm on verse 45 now. And I think there's interesting here how they describe the Lamanites. Verses 45, 46, and 47. They were a strong people. As to the strength of men, they were a wild and ferocious and a bloodthirsty people, believing in the tradition of their fathers, which is this. And this is really interesting how they describe it from their point of view, believing that they were driven out of the land of Jerusalem because of the iniquities of their fathers and that they were wronged in the wilderness by their brethren. And they were also wronged while crossing the sea. And again, they were wronged while in the land of their first inheritance after they had crossed the sea. Everything about these people is is uh entitlement right you did this to me and 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 
I shouldn't, this shouldn't have happened. And, and they're just bitter and, and wrathful. And we're going to see that moving uh, in verse 49. And his brethren were wroth with him because they understood not the dealings of the Lord. And they were also wroth with him upon the waters. In verse 51, they were wroth with him when they had arrived to the promised land. Verse 52, and they were wroth with him because he departed into the wilderness and, and they escaped, right? And thus they have taught their children. In verse 53, there, and, that, and therefore they have an eternal hatred towards the children of Nephi. And it, everything about it is, is they're victims. They're playing the victim card and they, they teach their children. It's just perpetual. They teach their children that, that it's this, this anger and this hatred exists and they just, they, you can't get over it. And, and it's, it's a good lesson for how not to do it. Right. You can't, you can't play the victim card your whole lives and then your children's lives and then your children's children's lives. And you can't be uh, so filled with hatred and, and anger. It just spills out of you and, and boils underneath your skin that it's going to have the same effect on your children. You're teaching them the same thing. It's a, it's a sad lesson. And that wraps up chapter six. And, but as part of the lesson of chapter six, I'm going to read the first verse of chapter seven. And now it came to pass that Zenith conferred the kingdom upon Noah, one of his sons. Therefore, Noah began to reign in his stead and he did not walk in the ways of his father. And I include that verse in the first verse of seven, because in chapter five, we hear about Limhi, who is the grandson of Zenith. And in the middle of that, he, you had this era where he mentions Noah and then you get Zenith, who is the very beginning of the story. And so Mosiah is, is taking these stories and we've got all these different people in different places. And we're going to see that the, the spirit of God, number one, the spirit of God is working with people separate from other people. And he's doing the same thing. He's setting up his church. He found humble people and it, and they had no idea what was going, that what was happening in the other places separate from each other. And they relied on God and, but God found the people that were um, humble and that he could use. And he sent a prophet and this prophet went to this. Well, we're going to read about it in these next couple chapters, but we have a storyline of these people of Limhi and we have their history, their story being displayed out. And we, we kind of got, uh, an encapsulation of that, of how he, they're in uh, subjection unto this King Laman and how they came there. We're going to hear more about that. But it started with Zenith and his his journey in the wilderness. And it ended with Limhi and, and Ammon coming to him. But in the middle is this whole other story. And it's separate from the others because that story split up and there's a people that came out of that and they came and they separated from the descendants of Zenith and Noah and Limhi. And so there's another group that migrated out and, and we hear their story because they know, they don't know anything about the people of Zarahemla. They don't know anything about the people of Limhi that stayed behind. They were isolated and they were alone and they have their own story to tell. And it's unrelated. And so that's why Mormon and, uh, took this story of King Mosiah, the, the second and how this happened, how this kingdom was joined in with a, another group. And this other group had its own, uh, and we're going to see in chapter seven 
8, 9, and 10. And I'm going to try to keep these podcasts quicker and the stories fast-paced because they're just all this action is happening at the same time. And what ends up happening all the way in chapter 11 is that Mosiah says, look, I want everybody to show up here and we're going to read the story of Limhi and Ammon. And then when we're done, we're going to read the story of Alma. And it's the same way the people that of the land of Zarahemla received this story and heard about it is the same way we're going to hear about it. It's going to be relayed to us. And we're just, it's an incredible, unbelievable story. And all the people involved in it in Zarahemla got it the same way we're going to get it. We're going to hear this story relayed to us in different sections and chapters. And it all sums up at the end of Mosiah with one people and they, they throw off this era of Kings and it's going to be fun. The next couple chapters. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy. Oh,